Amen and amen. If you have a copy of God's Word, would you turn to Deuteronomy this Lord's Day and two more as we are sprinting, not sprinting, we're sort of dreading the finish line because it's such a wonderful, wonderful journey to study through. The Gospel of Deuteronomy, Moses this morning, Moses the man of God, let me set in context where we are. If you think about the movement of the end of the book, if you have been with us, this will be a helpful reminder. If you have it, it'll frame some context. But movement toward the end of Deuteronomy, we had a very long uh, sermon, that sermon that ended at chapter 31. And coming out of that sermon, we moved um, from sermon to narrative. And so, Um, Now we're getting this narrative. The narrator, Moses is the narrator, and he's giving us the narrative of um, what happened. And here's the the big event is God's promise. God has promised a people, and he's promised his people a land. And his people are about to go in and inhabit that land. So we've moved from sermon to... To narrative, and we studied last week the wonderful song that um, Israel's anthem, Song of Moses, as referred to probably more aptly, the Song of Yahweh. God gave it to him. And uh, this morning we uh, transition. We're moving now to from finishing up the song, and uh, we're going to get this blessing. We won't cover the entire blessing today, we don't have time to do that. And then the book ends with uh, the death of Moses. So we find ourselves in Deuteronomy 32, and we'll start in uh, verse 45, and we'll go into the next chapter just five verses in. So uh, Deuteronomy 32, verse 45. If you are able, would uh, you stand while I read our passage this morning? The word of the Lord from Deuteronomy 32, verse 45. When Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to your heart all the words with which I am warning you today, which you shall command your sons to observe carefully, even all the words of this law. For it is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. And by this word you will prolong your days in the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. The Lord spoke to Moses that very same day, saying, Go up to this mountain of the Abiram, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab opposite Jericho, and look at the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the sons of Israel for a possession. Then die on the mountain where you ascend, and be gathered to your people as Aaron your brother died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. Because you broke faith with me in the midst of the sons of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin, because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the sons of Israel. For you shall see the land at a distance, but you shall not go there into the land which I'm giving the sons of Israel. Now this is the blessing with which Moses, a man of God, blessed the sons of Israel before his death. He said... The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came from the midst of 10,000 holy ones. At his right hand, there was flashing lightning for them. Indeed, he loves the people. 
All your holy ones are in your hand, and they followed in your steps. Everyone receives of your words. Moses charged us with a law, a possession for the assembly of Jacob, and he was king in Jeshurun when the heads of the people were gathered, the tribes of Israel together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, for the gospel. Lord, we see the gospel in Deuteronomy, the good news, Lord, that Moses is going to die for his sin, but death does not get the last word. He is, even in the same passage, uh, you reference him as Moses, the man of God. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that in Jesus we have salvation, Lord, that he is our Savior, our Lord, our soon-coming King. We pray this morning, God, that your Spirit, that he will guide us into truth and guard us from distraction, from error. God, that you will build up your church. Lord, your uh, word would go forth powerfully, Lord, and that we would receive it with eagerness. Lord, we need your divine power uh, for that to happen. And so I pray, God, that you would work mightily in your church for, um, for our good, Lord, for your glory, Lord, for the advance of the gospel uh, to every corner of the earth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Moses, the man of God. And so Moses, there in verse 45, when Moses had finished speaking all these words, he had the words where he's concluded his song. And so what's happening in the narrative, listen to this, the, the time is drawing near. It's imminent for Israel to realize God's uh, promise and inhabit the promised land. But at the same time, Moses, listen to this, the great leader of Israel, he's walking through his last days, his last hours. Death is drawing near. When that's the case, you know, I want you to think about this. Caesar, we could say this for this whole portion, the, the song included that are really Moses' um, last words, his last moments. And in that time, things come into focus. What is really important is, uh, becomes apparent. I like this from, uh, I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and I love these words. Listen to this uh, sermon that Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that faithful pastor, by the way, of pastoring in the comfort of the United States in New York that um, went back and put himself in the crosshairs in um, Hitler's Germany to stand faithfully for Christ. But listen to this from one of the sermons he preached while a pastor in London thinking about death. He, listen to what Bonhoeffer said. No one has yet believed in God and the kingdom of God. No one has yet heard about the realm of the resurrected and not been homesick from that hour. We ought to be homesick, waiting and looking forward joyfully to being released from this bodily existence that we're in. Whether we are young or old makes no difference. What are 20 or 30 or 50 years in the sight of God? And which of us knows how near he or she may already be to the goal? That life only really begins when it ends here on earth. That all that is here is only the prologue before the curtain goes up. That is for young and old alike to think about. Why are we so afraid when we think about death? 
Death is only dreadful for those who live in dread and fear of it. Death is not wild and terrible. If only we can be still and hold fast to God's word. Death is not bitter if we have not become bitter ourselves. Death is grace, the greatest gift of grace that God gives to people who believe in him. Death is mild. Death is sweet and gentle. It beckons to us with heavenly power. If only we realize that it is the gateway to our homeland, the tabernacle of joy, the everlasting kingdom of peace. How do we know that dying is so dreadful? Who knows whether in our human fear and anguish we are only shivering and shuddering at the most glorious, heavenly, blessed event in the world. Death is hell and night and cold if it is not transformed by our faith. But that is just what is so marvelous that we can transform death. His words from a sermon in London and then the next page, listen to this, the account of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's death right so close to the end of the war. The um, physician, camp doctor at Flossenburg, Dr. Holstrong, recorded this of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's death. On the morning of that day, between 5 and 6 o'clock, the prisoners, among them Admiral Canaris, General Oster, General Thomas, and Riggenstrack Sack, were taken from their cells, and the verdicts of the court-martial read out to them. Through the half-open door in one room of the huts, I saw Pastor Bonhoeffer. Before taking off his prison garb, kneeling on the floor, praying fervently to his God. Mm. I was, boy, that's when everything sort of, main thing gets to be the main thing, doesn't it? I was most deeply moved by the way this lovable man prayed, so devout and so certain that God heard his prayer. At the place of execution, he again said a short prayer, and then climbed the steps to the gallows, brave and composed. His death ensued after a few seconds. In the almost 50 years that I worked as a doctor, I have hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. Wow. Death. This enemy, and Moses had this enemy that he had to deal with. And by the way, Moses, we're going to end the sermon. I'm going to give you an account to prove to you that Moses is alive. He has been spotted here on earth. Some of y'all think I'm going extra biblical there. I'm firmly biblical. And I don't mean like down in Fayette, you know, by a farmer bushhogging or something, you know. I mean like a reliable account from Scripture. And so Moses, the man of God. So what does we do with this passage, this narrative? If we're not careful, we say, hey, let's sprint past this and get to the blessing. We would be mistaken to do that. Moses, the man of God, um, I believe prepares us for our last days in his last days. Number one, it's a call to build our lives on the Word of God, a call to build our lives on the Word of God. I assure myself and I assure you, all other ground is sinking sand. It will give way when the storm comes and the storm will come. Look at verse 45. Now listen to this. He's finished his song. When Moses had finished speaking all these words, I listen to the alls in here. When Moses had, had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, these are like, hey, everyone, you need to hear this. He said to them, take to your heart, listen to this, all the words 
with which I'm warning you today. Commentators debate and talk about, is that Moses' song he's telling you, telling them to take it to heart? I don't think so. I think that's the Pentateuch. Clearly, it's Deuteronomy, but I think he's pointing them to God's word. Take to your heart, verse 46, all the words with which I'm, listen to this, God's word. Isn't this a beautiful word, which I'm warning you today? which you shall command, look, they're to take these words to heart. These words are to be a warning. They're to share these words. You shall command your sons to observe carefully. What are they to observe carefully? All the words of this law. And so he's, he's hearkening them, this call to build their lives on the word of God. All these words, all Israel, take all these words to heart. Command your sons to observe them carefully, even all the words of this law. Listen to what he says about this, about this is our life, verse 47. It's not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. Those, we sing those wonderful words of life, right? God's word is your life. And by this word, so far as they walk in accordance with Scripture, with God's word, what's going to happen? Well, that's going to be the path of blessing. By this word, you will prolong your days in the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. And so this, this first call, we're, we're right here. We're, we're, God's given us a window in. We're able to listen in. As Moses says, he's, he's ready to depart this life. And his exhortation to God's people is, listen, build your life on the solid ground of Scripture. Isn't that profound? He's not going to be there. Moses, this great leader, is hearkening to build your life upon Scripture. That's the only ground that'll stand. So Moses, the man of God, his last days, how does that prepare us? Well, first of all, we hear the call like they heard the call to build our lives on the Word of God. Second, it's a profound warning, a warning that none of us get a pass on death. It's a warning none of us get a pass on death. Verse 48, God speaks, Yahweh spoke, the Lord, Yahweh, spoke to Moses, for, verse 48. Listen to this. That very same day, the day he wrote the song, he finishes the song. I'm talking about the song ends that very same day. We're getting the narrative account. Here's what happened. And Yahweh said to him, listen to what God says. Command, all these imperatives, go up to this mountain of the Abarim, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, opposite Jericho, and look at the land of Canaan. So, Moses is running strong at 120, isn't it? Because he's, he's commanded to go up the mountain. And so, go up to the mountain, Mount Nebo, and look at this, which is, op, which is in the land of Moab, opposite Jericho. And what does God command him to do? So, the first command is go up. Look, the next command, look at the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the sons of Israel for a possession. God allows him to see all of Canaan, to look across Canaan. So that very same day, he goes up and he's able to look across that promised land. And then verse 50, look at this, this command. Listen to what God says next. This, Moses the great leader, Moses the great prophet, Moses the one who stood in the gap time and time again. Listen to what God says next. Then die. Command. Yahweh says die. Then die on the mountain where you ascend. And Moses, it's going to go for like you, it's going to go for you like it's been going for men and women since Adam's day. Die on the mountain where you ascend and be gathered to your people as Aaron, your brother, died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his 
people. And listen, Moses, the great leader, was not sufficient, able to save himself. He could not get a pass on death. And Moses, the man of God, as we look over his last days, they're recorded for us in Scripture. What a warning. It's a warning that none of us get a pass on death. Then die on the mountain where you ascend and be gathered to your people. As Aaron died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people, and we just read about Miriam's death, this reality that, listen, no one gets out of here alive. The only exception there are those who are alive at Christ's return. But boy, that's something we need to hear this morning because the, the, the lie, the, the, the world, our flesh, the devil wants us to think, listen, everything is good and it's always going to be good and there's nothing going to change. Life is the way it is and that's the way it's going to be. And Moses, we, we have read account after account of this great man of God and then we get to the end of the line and it's time for the people to go into the promised land and it is time, God has set the time, it is time for Moses to die. Third, his march toward his death prepares us in a third way. It's an encouragement. It's an encouragement that our times are in God's hands. So I want you to think about this. Look on the previous chapter, right there, it's on the same page. When we look back at verse 39, Deuteronomy 32, verse 39. We looked at this last week. It's from the song. Listen to what God says. See now that I, I am he, and there is no God besides me. You know, he, I still say, when you're talking about the God table, table for one, right? No one else gets a seat at that table, there is no God besides me. Listen to what God says next. It is I who put to death and give life. Life is in God's hands. And so Moses gives us this encouragement. Yahweh speaks, says, it's time that very same day. And God has set the clock. And listen to this. There's not one thing that Moses nor I or you are going to do to move the clock. Now, by the way, that takes some pressure off, doesn't it? That very same day, go up, look, die. I like what Matthew Henry said about this third point, this, in, this encouragement that our times are in God's hands. Listen to this. It is a great encouragement to us when we die to think of our friends that have gone before us through that darksome valley especially of Christ, our elder brother and great high priest. Man, that's an encouraging word. This is encouragement that, you know, the second point, you say, man, I don't know that that's encouraging, a warning that none of us get a pass on death. Whether that encourages or not, that's reality. And the world we have to live in is the real world, right? So we want to we face reality. But boy, we get to that third point of encouragement. That our times are in God's hands. Fourth, this reminder Boy, this is important. Let's get this right. A reminder. Moses' last days gives us a reminder that God disciplines his children. A reminder that God disciplines his children. Listen to this. God will never judge his children. God does not judge his children. God's children's sins were judged on the cross at Calvary. You got that? God disciplines his children. 
And I'm just going to go and tell you what the passage is going to show us. It's going to show us God's discipline was so severe in Moses' life that God killed him over his sin. And that should give us pause. I'm going to show you that from Scripture. It's a reminder that God disciplines his children. Let's go back to, uh, let's get a running start at verse 50. Deuteronomy 32, verse 50. Then die on the mountain where you ascend. By the way, not many people, I've seen some of those, you know, um, that get up there trying to climb Everest or something and run out of oxygen, but that shows you, you know, Moses' um, fitness, he ascends the mountain and he's going to go up there and die on that mountain. So verse 50, then die on the mountain where you ascend. Be gathered to your people as Aaron your brother died on Mount Hor and was gathered his people. Now look at the next word. It shows up two times, verse 51. Why is Moses going to die? Why is he going to see the land and not go in? Here's a key word, because. Going to die. Why am I going to die? Because. But God answers the question, doesn't he? Look at this. This is heavy. A reminder that God disciplines his children. Sin brings death. Moses, obviously the great man of God, Scripture calls him that in this very passage. He's a sinner. And by the way, as Israel's leader, Moses, we would say, the great leader. What a great leader. But also, Moses, the flawed leader. He's a flawed leader. Look at verse 51. Why is he going to die on the mountain? Because, here's what God said. Yahweh speaking, verse 48, God speaking. Back to verse 51. Because you broke faith with me, We just read that in our scripture reading time. You broke faith with me in the midst of the sons of Israel at the waters of Meribah, Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zen. He was faithless, broke faith with God. Listen to what God says next, end of verse 51. Because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the sons of Israel. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? Now, Now, we could go at this two ways. There's two ways we can think unbiblically and think like, Really? He, God said, say to the rock, he struck the rock. That feels, on one level, stay with me, thinking unbiblically, feels a bit minor, doesn't it? I've done far worse. You, you have. Trust me. People live with you know that. So, I want you to think about this. There had been a steady, for decades, there had been a steady death of a steady parade of deaths, of funeral after funeral after funeral. How many deaths, funerals had Moses witnessed? It's down to him and Joshua and Caleb, right? And God tells him that, and by the way, the grace that he allows him to look into the land, but because you broke faith with me. And by the way, we also see another of this. He broke faith with me. You did not, he did not treat Yahweh as holy. A reminder that God disciplines his children. By the way, let's just go ahead and go there. There's another principle that I have in application. There is an even higher level of accountability for leadership. Because this is another thing we could say. Didn't the children of Israel do a lot worse? We would all what? Emphatically what? And by the way, I think of Peter. I've thought of Peter. I think of Peter all over this passage. You remember Jesus cooking fish on the beach? How cool is that? Right? Post-resurrection, end of John's gospel, Jesus cooked. You know, I just picture those snapper, blackened, surely, whatever they were. That's what I envision. And Peter, you know, open mouth, insert both feet. He's my first cousin. I know I, if I follow my lineage, it's kin to Peter. Talking when you ought to be quiet. 
And Jesus restoring him, what about John? So Moses could say, what about Israel? No, no, no. So this calls us to come to grips with sin is serious. And you say, what about for Christians? Well, Christ has conquered our sin. But I want to tell you, sin, we get to choose our sin, but we don't get to choose our consequences. Moses chose his sin, but he didn't get to choose the consequences. Yahweh chose the consequence, saying, you're not going into the land. And this account, this narrative of Moses' last days is a reminder that God disciplines his children. Because what? Because you broke faith with me. Because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the sons of Israel. For you shall see the land at a distance. Listen to what God sets. He sets all the boundaries, but you shall not. You shall see. You shall not go there into the land which I'm giving the sons of Israel. Something for those who are in Christ to ponder. Reminder that God disciplines his children. Fifth, it's ground for hope. It's ground for hope. Here's the gospel. See, uh, it's all over the place, but it's really, really clear in verses 48. We're going to go up the mountain. 50, die. And then 33, one. It's ground for hope. Listen to this. We are not ultimately defined by our sin, but our Savior. Ground for hope. We're not ultimately defined by our sin, but our Savior. So how many of you, if you, you know, if we stopped at verse 52, you'd be like, man, I just don't know. I don't know. The jury might be out on Moses. Good guy, bad guy. You know, what do you think? No, no, no. Look at verse 1 of chapter 33. So, so encouraging. You say something's going on there. God's got to be doing something. So Moses' has sinned and offended God in such a way that it's going to cost him his life. And then we get to verse 1. How, you know, how, and then we ask the question, how does God feel about Moses? Well, verse 1, now this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the sons of Israel before his death. You should say, what did he say? This is the blessing. God's going to take him out because of his sin. The next breath, Scripture says, now this is the blessing which Moses, the man of God. How many of you would say, something's going on there. There's something going on there. Let me tell you what Moses was doing. He, he was looking forward. He had a part. He was looking forward to Christ coming. But this is just so so very rich. It removes any doubt about Moses' standing. And this is hope. The, the blessing which Moses, the man of God, blessed Moses, the man of God. What an encouragement. So I want you to think about this. It's all over Scripture. So let's think of Peter. I mentioned him earlier. Is Peter the spirit-filled preacher at Pentecost? Or is he the impetuous, cursing, denying disciple who's whacking off a guy's ear? Which one? Who is Peter? Tell me. You say, well, he's what? He's both. Isn't that encouraging? Let's think about David. Read that again this week. David, the Bible says, is a man after God's own heart. So is he a man after God's own heart? Or is he a lying, adulterer, murderer? Yes. You know, you go, man, let's just rock your theology. So, here, what's going on? Verse 50, die on the mountain where you ascend. Verse 1, this is the blessing which Moses, a man of God, blessed the sons of Israel before his death, calls us 
to face the good news that there's hope that people who are really, really sinful can be brought into a relationship of peace and favor with the living God and be heirs with him in sweet fellowship with him. This is gospel ground. Isn't that good news? Moses, the man of God, ground for our hope we're not ultimately defined by our sin or our Savior because God's going to intervene and Moses has got a part in that. Last reminder from, we're going, and by the way, we're just going to like get into the blessing. It's a humbling reminder of how blessed we are in all that God has done for us. It's a humbling reminder. Moses' last days, a humbling reminder of how blessed we are in all that God has done for us. I want you to think about that point. I'm, I don't think we should do that. Um, but I'm grateful that Scripture does that. Uh, I was thinking at funerals. You know, as time at funerals, I, I would hope people, uh, the person who gets up and uh, preaches my funeral, um, I hope they'll make Jesus known, and I hope they will not spend 48 hours ahead of the funeral trying to find out the worst things they could find out about me. You know, that's probably, wouldn't you say that's not the time or place, right? God's forgiven me, and I'm trying to forget it, right? But isn't it encouraging that, in Scripture, God puts Moses' junk right there for all of us. Puts Peter's just right there for all of us. David, that gives hope to people who are very, like, very much like the people we study in Scripture. But his last point, a humbling reminder of how blessed we are in all that God has done for us. So verse 1 of 33. That's the title. Verse 1 is a title. Oh, one other word, by the way. I, I'm going call you to sort of like do a little bit of um, Bible turn. Turn over to chapter 34. So we just read in 33.1 that Moses is the man of God. We'll be here, Lord willing, in two weeks from today. Deuteronomy 34, verse 5. Tell me if this is not sweet language from Scripture. So Moses... The servant of Yahweh, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab. What's the final word on Moses' life? He's the man of God and he's a servant of the Lord. Isn't that good? Because he's in Christ. That's so good. Now back, turn back to Deuteronomy 33. Humbling reminder how blessed we are in all that God has done for us. We get the title is in verse 1. It's the blessing. So he's going to speak a blessing on all the tribes except one which Moses, a man of God, blessed the sons of Israel before his death. And we want to just, we want to look at the intro, verses 2 to 5, the intro to the blessing, and we'll pick it back up next Lord's Day, Lord willing. He describes, first of all, this um, theophany. But the closest thing we have to what we are studying here in this blessing in chapter 33 would be uh, Jacob blessing his sons in Genesis 49, closest in Scripture. Verse 2. Of Deuteronomy 33. He said, the Lord came. Listen to the verbs here. The Lord came from Sinai, right? We're getting that picture of God coming and meeting with his people. He dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth. By the way, that we get this account of this theophany, God's glorious appearance. Here's what it is. It's God appearing among his people, with his people, in giving his law. So he came from Sinai. He dawned on them from Syria. Listen, he radiated. He shone forth from Mount Paran. Listen to what it says next. And he, Yahweh, came from the midst of 10,000. 
thousand holy ones. What a picture. We're, we're getting a, a window. We're getting to look in to um, where God is, to, to heaven. He came. He dawned. He shone forth. He came from the midst of 10,000 holy ones. At his right hand, there was flashing lightning for them. Now, so far you would say, if he's coming in judgment, I'm terrified. Well, stay with me. He's not coming in judgment. So, we have this account of God's coming down and the giving of his law. And by the way, a reference to the law of Moses. Verse 2, he came from the midst of 10,000 holy ones. It's a reference to the law of Moses being mediated by angels. Okay, angels were involved with giving the law. You can study this in Acts 7, 53. You can study this in Hebrews 2, 2. And then I have for you Galatians 3, 19. Listen to what Paul said over in Galatians about this scene. In the blessing, he's referencing this scene where God came down. Galatians 3, 19. Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions. Having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator... Until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. And I love that language of verse 2. He came from the midst of 10,000 holy ones. What, a, what an army of angelic messengers. And then, by the way, what is our standing with Yahweh? Well, look, look at verse 3. Here, here's the standing for God's people in this blessing. Indeed, he loves the people. By the way, the better language there, he loves the, the people's. Oh, that, that, that's, got a, that's got a mission heartbeat, doesn't it? I thought he hated the people. No, no, he, he, he loves the people. All your holy ones, listen, all your holy ones, so he loves the peoples. All your, so there are people that belong to him, and the people that belong to him are holy ones. All your holy ones are, listen to this language, are in your hand. Oh, I want to be in a safe and secure place. And the people that he loves are, are declared holy, and then they're secure in his hand, and they followed in your steps. Everyone receives of your words this vivid language of God's love for his people. In John, listen to John's gospel, how Christ picked this up. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Isn't it a blessing to be a sheep? Where is sheep? My sheep hear my voice. Christ says, I know them and they follow me. Listen to this. And I give, gift, salvation. I give everlasting. I give eternal life to them. And listen to this promise from Christ. They will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. We've got right there in the span of part of two verses, secure in Christ's hand, secure in the Father's hands. We are able to boast, indeed, God loves his people. All your holy ones are in your hand. Boy, I'm glad Christ picked up on what Moses told us about. They followed in your steps. Everyone receives of your words. Moses charged us with a law a possession for the assembly of Jacob. And he was king in Jeshurun. Um, NASB, which I'm in, I'm in New American Standard 95, has he there as Yahweh being king in Jeshurun. That's some very, very difficult Hebrew. We're not sure if it was um, him referring to Moses as king in Jeshurun, that clearly Yahweh was king, is king, and will always be king. 
and then Jeshurun and everywhere else. So the meaning, I don't think, falls down. We don't know for certain uh, what all that verse refers to. When the heads of the peoples were gathered, the tribes of Israel together. So let's take the truth to heart. Let's summarize what we have studied and apply it. First of all, feed on Scripture. Feed on Scripture. It is life to our souls. Man, that, you, you, we're just lift, we're lifting that from those verses. It is not, verse 47, an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. Our life depends on the Word of God, and we need to, we need to live that way. Feed on Scripture. It is life to our souls. Second, for leaders, man, it's like I'd want to sit down. I'm sitting under Scripture. Like I'm sitting under what, here's what God's Word would say. For leaders, beware of the greater accountability. Beware of the, the greater accountability. By the way, uh, that, that'll make you think about like, man, I think, I'll, I think I'll step down from teaching my class. I think I'll step down. That, that, no, no, Lord, help us to step up. But for leaders, beware of the greater accountability. And we read that. Lord spoke to Moses, go up, look die because man there's a high high bar there's a high bar for leadership so for leaders beware of the greater accountability and responsibility man celebrate church in Christ in Christ we are forgiven all our sins Moses you're going to die because next verse Moses the man of God in that glory so in Christ we are forgiven all of our sins however Let's be clear, God still disciplines us as children. Good fathers do what to their children? Hebrews 12, 4. Man, in fact, we say that. You, you, see, you see parents who let their kids just run uncontrolled, undisciplined. You be like, that's a sorry daddy. And I will tell you, and that, that, that's the lesser to the greater. God disciplines us. He is a good, good father. In Christ, we are forgiven all our sins. However, God still disciplines us as children. Fourth, more gospel ground. God does not define us by our performance, but Christ. Not our performance, but Christ's performance. Not our merits, but Christ's merits. Therefore, for those trusting in Christ, we are men and women of God. Doesn't that encourage you? That aspires us to live out this great gospel. I, what I'm doing, so I'm going to probably do it in two weeks. I wanted to do next week. Um, but I'm going to do this week uh, or, and, and in two weeks. So I want you to turn to Mark. I want you to turn to Mark's gospel. And I want you to turn to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. And, and here's what I, I want you to know. Listen, Moses is alive I'm going to show you that. Mark 9, verse 2. See, the grave, man, and Bonhoeffer helps us with that. The grave is not the end. We learn that from, we'll learn that only as we dig into Scripture. Mark 9, verse 2, the transfiguration. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and brought them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his garments became radiant and exceedingly white as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Elijah appeared to them 
along with Moses. Hey, Moses. So, let me, Moses is just in a different location. Your loved ones that died in Christ, they are not no more. They are just not here. They're very present. They're just present with the Lord. Man, that's a game changer. I love that. Elijah appeared to them along with Moses. By the way, I don't know what that day goes like in heaven, but like, you're going down to earth for an assignment today, Moses. He's like, I'm on it. Been to earth before. I'm familiar with that, right? Y'all don't have any sense of humor. He had. Uh, Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And by the way, somehow it was apparent that Moses was Moses, Elijah was Elijah, and Jesus is Jesus. Recognizable, real, Man, talking. Hey, Moses. Wow. What's that go down? That's amazing. Elijah appeared to them along with Moses. They were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, see, Peter always got something to say. Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to answer. So sometimes, there's a good lesson there, David. When you don't know what to say, Keep your mouth shut, right? Right, that's what our mamas tell us that, right? I love that. Scripture just paints that honest picture, right? For he didn't know what to say, you know? He didn't know what what to answer. Verse 6, for they became terrified. Listen to this, and God speaks. Then a cloud formed, overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. All at once they looked around and saw no one. That's that's another table for one. Who's his beloved son? Christ. All at once they looked around and saw no one with them anymore except Jesus alone. And let me tell you, Moses is the flawed, what a great leader, but he's the flawed leader. But he points us, he he is saved and he is present and he is doing well today because he had a part in the flawless leader, the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? And that's clear in Deuteronomy. God does not define us by our performance but Christ's performance therefore for those trusting in Christ we are men and women of God man ponder this are you in Christ I mean don't run past that and if you are in Christ I'm going to tell you we will have struggles in our walk in this world but they are put in a new proportion for momentary light affliction when we compare the eternal weight of our inheritance in Christ in glory. We, we, we look at the heaviest weight here on earth and scripture defines those for us. Listen, momentary, which means it doesn't last long. And light as compared to heavy. And then God's using them in our lives in good ways to produce in us, right, this good work, this eternal weight of glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word. Lord, we, um, we thank you for this narrative. Lord, how gracious um, of you to give us a um, window into these last steps in Moses' life. Lord, a clear call for us to uh, be grounded in Scripture. Lord, a, a vivid reminder that um, death is coming for each and every one of us. And 
while we don't know the day or the hour, we know that um, that is imminent. We thank you for your hand of discipline. Lord, to wean us from the love of the world and the tendency we have to sin to show us the truth about um, what sin is and what sin does. So as painful as it is when we're walking through it, thank you for your discipline for your children. Thank you for the hope that we have in Christ, Lord, that sinners can be called servants, that failures can be declared to be men and women of God. We thank you that Christ never failed, that he never sinned, that he did not shirk one time from the path that was laid out for him to walk, uh, that he never broke faith, that he never uh, neglected uh, your holiness. Lord, we thank you that his work is finished. We thank you for your grace, Lord, that you have brought the gospel to us and empowered and enabled us to believe this great gospel. Oh, for grace, Lord, to trust you, love you, cling to you more. We pray that we would be a faithful people. Uh, we pray that we would um, make much of Jesus. We pray that we would be witnesses in being prepared for, uh, Lord, our own deaths uh, in a way that would just confound the world. We thank you for the body of believers that you have uh, put into this family. We thank you for all the good fruit you are bearing in the life of your church. And, Lord, that is from you, for you, through you, God. We've, we have nothing to do with that. That's your grace. And thank you for how you're working in your body. We pray you will grow us in our love for you and our love for each other. We pray you would help us to be a people of the book, not in a puffed up way thinking that we've arrived, but Lord, being humble and learning more and more about how glorious you are and how sinful we were apart from you and how amazing your transformation that you're accomplishing and have accomplished for us in Christ is and help us to exude um, pointing people to Jesus. Lord, we thank you that Christ is the head of the church. Uh, we thank you for even um, the continuity of Scripture that though Moses is commanded to die, yet though he died, he lives again. And thank you for his appearance even with Christ. And Lord, how that gives us hope that because Christ, our brother, has gone before us, we too uh, will die but we too will live again. And so we thank you for the hope we have in Jesus. Would you work powerfully, Lord, in your church for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.